On this week's The Koi Gig podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's owner Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. You're welcome along. Now, if we had said a month ago Munster would be the only province with a trophy, might have been a tough sell on this particular slot, but here we are. Keith Wood, a very good evening. Very good evening, Joseph. And her La Rochelle jersey is in the wash. It is, of course, Fiona Hayes. You're very welcome. <laughs> hey, Joe, how are you? <laughs> Jumping up and down on Saturday by any chance? Ah, uh, no, don't be saying that. You get me killed by the Leinster supporters. <laughs> <laughs> I have my suspicions. I have my suspicions. Uh, Stormers against Munster on Saturday in the URC final is upon us. Half past five kickoff Irish time. Uh, Munster looking to lift their first trophy since the Celtic League back in 2011. So we'll get into that game in a moment. First, and we've talked about it plenty in the show already, but I am curious for your general thoughts on Saturday just gone. Keith, epic final, epic La Rochelle performance, Leinster with a lot to mull over. Yeah, I rarely um, take the chance to look at a game in full again from start to finish without fast forwarding. And and I did for this one. Um, it's about as good a game as I've seen for for a whole variety of different reasons, and um, I haven't uh, I haven't seen or I haven't listened to any of the other commentaries post the game, and I um, I've been fairly kind of manic this week. But uh, I was just interested in I read some of the things in the papers, and I, it was just it was an unbelievable game. It was. Totally devastating for for Leinster. Um, they had done an awful lot right, and I thought I thought they got a few things wrong at the end. I thought maybe there could have been a couple of things wrong in in selection. I think there had been a little bit wrong in the selection of the previous week. I think there was a couple of chinks that were shown, maybe in their own mentality, and also a chink of light for La Rochelle. And with every single thing that you say, uh, that I'm saying in there, Leinster lost by a point. And with only the, you know, that conversion uh, a few minutes before time to put them to put them a point behind for the first time in the game. It's heartbreaking, actually, to to for for a team to have come that close and to have done it two years on the trot. It's quite it's, it's quite devastating. And what do you think happened to Leinster after the 15, 20 minute mark? I don't know that anything happened to it apart from the fact I thought that, that was it was the best piece of rugby I've ever seen. The best flawless um whatever yeah. it was, 15, 17, 20 minutes of rugby. It was flawless and it was it was a joy to behold, actually. And it was like you're sitting, you're saying, Oh my God, this is not happening. And they played at a pace and an accuracy. Their rock speed was incredible. Um, they totally blitzed uh, La Rochelle, and what La Rochelle did for uh, for a lot of the next ten minutes after that was just stop the bleeding, and that was their ability and their time to catch a breath to try and get back into the game. And um, like I thought, an awful lot was going Leinster's way, referee wise, in the first half. I thought they were 
Um, they got away with things in the first half they didn't get away with in the second half, which was um, hitting the rook with your hands on the ball on the, uh, on the ground on the far side over it. And that's very frustrating and um, uh, for, for an opposition team. And I think they got an awful lot of those um, decisions in the first half. They didn't get them in the second half and that didn't help them either. But I felt they they weren't exiting properly in the yes. second half. I felt it wasn't that they had stopped playing, but they had they weren't putting any control on the game. They spent the whole second half defending. I mean, it was about as tiring a thing for a team to have to do at, at the end of a long season with a lot of those players having excelled and um, uh, and achieved with Ireland winning a Grand Slam. It was the end of a long year and they just didn't seem to get a sniff at anything, you know, and they just were defending. But they were defending from about 15 yards from their line to the 10-yard line for nearly the whole second half. And um, when they had the chance to get out, they didn't get out. Um, I wouldn't have taken off Dan Sheehan, and I'm not saying that retrospectively. I think, I think it, for me, he was the best player on the field, and um, he was having extraordinary game. Just and he's become a leader. I just wouldn't take him off the field, and and I felt that Leinster's um, uh, bench when they came on didn't have the impact that they needed to have. In fact, they tended to give away quite a lot of penalties, and that that didn't help at all. And it just kind of comes down to it comes down to that. But you're looking at it and saying, like, there's people. That have been kind of castigated a little bit. I read a little bit of that over the last day, you know, but they're unbelievably fine margins. They've had an extraordinary season and it's an extraordinary season that hasn't ended up in silverware. And I never would have said that as this year was going on. I just thought they've been superlative for the whole year. Give us your overview then, Fiona. Yeah, I think um, Keith hit it on the nail on the head, especially with that exits. Um, I thought the kicking game in the second half was, you know, there was far too many errors. I mean, I think they kicked it out in the full twice, Gibson Park and Lowe. Um, uh, Lowe probably didn't have his best game. There was a couple of slices in there as well, which is fine. And those happen in those big moments. But it was their inability to, to deal with La Rochelle at times as well. So... You talk about an exit game, Joe, and you want and you do, you want to get out of your 22, you want to play rugby up the pitch. But I just thought that and you you can see the tackle count from the game. I just thought that Leinster could have played a couple of more phases before they kicked, kind of tired out that La Rochelle pack. And, you know, they, they're very big up front. Obviously, we know that. But in the second half, I didn't feel like Leinster, yeah, they gave them the ball back to attack them. They were in the lead and, and I understand getting off the pitch and having an exit, but I thought they could have tired out that pack a little bit more. They just wanted to give it back to them. And another huge thing when I watched the game back as well, I didn't see it in the moment, but it was when I watched it back. Um, they hit, La Rochelle went to Skelton right in the front uh, of the line out a good few times in the second half. But it was almost like Leinster said, yeah, OK, fine, have the front. You can maul us from there because they were, they're setting up. But they still weren't dealing with that maul. And La Rochelle probably could have got a couple of other penalties in those instances. So I thought they might have changed it around and maybe got someone up at the front and put pressure on that line out. And just with the loss of James Ryan, I think that, you know, there probably wasn't those 
those big decisions made. And I know there's a lot of leaders out there, but I would have liked to see them. And we saw them, especially in last year's final at line out time, they put La Rochelle under savage pressure at times um, and vice versa. But in that game, I almost felt like they'd let La Rochelle have the ball at times. And that isn't something we've seen from Leinster throughout the, the season. You know, it was just a different second half performance, whether nerves came, I would imagine nerves were involved, but I, I don't think it was a game plan, but for some reason, they just didn't get their runners on the ball. They just handed the ball over. And especially when they got turnover ball to to kick it away immediately. I would have liked to see them turn it over, take a few phases, move these big guys around and tire them out a bit as well. Yeah, and it's uh, that's so unLenster like Fiona. That's at odds with every other performance this season. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. I was in shock watching the game because, you know, even the first 17 nil down, you know, mentality monsters, you have to say, La Rochelle, because there's there's not a lot of French teams that can be 17 nil down. I know it was a final, but have the ability to fight back. And O'Gara's obviously built something in them, this massive belief. But for Leinster, even Joe, you thought they could get they, like it was. I think I, I firmly believe that if they, if obviously the Alatoa turnover ball red card was a huge moment, but you'd put your mortgage and you'd back Leinster to score from that five, six, seven metre out channel. They've been doing it all season, but for some reason it just didn't happen for them. And there was kind of one-off runners. They were going down the blind a, a lot and they just weren't looking at space. It was almost like they were panicking in the last few minutes. And we saw that with the clean out. I mean, they're so good and they're, they're, discipline has been good all season and you can't blame one player these things happen it's a it's a rugby incident in the heat of the moment but it was very on Leinster like and for them to give up such a huge lead was massive but then on the other hand they absolutely defended with their life at times as well you know what I mean you wouldn't say it was bad defense it was just they hadn't faced that pressure I suppose for such a consistent level of time yes and on that point Keith and honestly I am sick of listening to myself ask this bloody question Uh, year in, year out at this stage. But that does bring the question back up. The extent to which Leinster are unfamiliar with being in that kind of a place under that kind of a a pressure very often. And any time I ask it, some pundits agree and think it's a very valid point. Others shoot it down and say, well, don't they do it for Ireland? I would counter Ireland as a different situation and a different coaching ticket. Uh, but, But something is not happening for Leinster not just this year, not just last year, but over several years when the pressure is really on. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's elements of that that are just unfair that I don't, I don't agree with. I, like I looked at um, James Ryan being a good example. Fiona mentioned James Ryan. I, I, I thought the manner in which Leinster made, picked their tackles, picked their rooks to hit go after them a lot they were targeting the strength and power of la rochelle so they'd made that as a really big focus the manner in which they did it which was astoundingly brave um for the vast majority of the game i think actually burnt them burnt them out yeah. i mean they, they looked tired I, I don't know if you were at the game the, the body language even yeah. off camera off the ball was very very drained as that game went on yeah i mean but it but it was but a lot of what they were doing was was astounding, you know. So rather than say that it was astounding and that you know that, that they have a failing, I I agree with. I, I look. I think at times going into the rocks, I think they have almost to be able to counteract the strength and the size of La Rochelle. 
um, they were almost a bit reckless going into it. Now, not for Al um, Alatoa. That was that was off his feet, tucked arm. That was was a bad play um, from a guy who'd been on for 30, 35 minutes or so. Um, the pressure. We often talk about this on the program, and I, I think. Uh, it sounds patronising when you're when you're when you're doing it, but it's it's very hard for fans to understand that white hot pressure of the last five or ten minutes of a, of a final, um, where you've put your whole season into it. In fact, people have put three or four years to get there with it, you know, and things aren't going your way, and you're looking to try and do anything. Like how else can you you counter some of the penalties that were given away on um, before the try, before the last uh, mm. La Rochelle try? There was. Mm. There should have been two or three sin binnings in the in the previous um, malls at that stage. There were just players coming in the side, left, right, and centre. Even um, even Van der Fleer going around the line out, the second to last line out. Um, that needed to be a call to everybody to say, "I'm going around the other side," and they have to hold off. And none of that happened. And it just the pressure, the fatigue, the critical thinking at the end. Um, well, it wasn't there, and but it was there with the exception almost of of that penalty and red card. Because I agree with with Fiona that if the composure was kept there, um, I mean, there's there's been a lot of people talking about whether um, Ross Byrne, why didn't he kick the drop goal? And um, I think he was in a position to do so a couple of times if there was one more phase, and that didn't happen. Why didn't he kick the the penalty from where it was? It's outside his range. Yeah, you know that's it's it's too far for him to kick. So that he could try it, and but the likelihood is that he wasn't going to get it. It was just going to waste time. And they had the confidence to know that if they go up the line, they can hold on to it for long enough to hold on to the ball to be able to go and do it. To get the score, all they needed was any score. They were very close to doing it, and. Um, up until the the referee stopped the, the the game for a guy who was not sparked out, um, which was which was a horrible thing to see. I would have bet with Fiona. We'd have both bet, I think, on that that Leinster were going to score. Mm. So I don't know that that goes down as um, pressure. Whatever phrase you yeah. used there, Joe, that I can't remember, but I think they were absolutely bushed at the end of it. Um, and I do think, uh, like Ronan O'Gara, as as um, uh, love him or loathe him, and um, like he's a fantastic pain in the arse to 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 Leinster and has been um, for for a lot of his career, you know. And um, uh, he's managed to to get a team to believe that nearly anything is possible, and um, and. It's interesting listening to the players talking about him afterwards. Their their talk about him is pretty much unsolicited, and they love the fact that he's something different, and yeah. he has that bit of a bitterness in him that he brings out all the time um, to say, you know, we haven't been respected enough, and um, that would have been a monster card he'd have worn quite comfortably in his back pocket, and he took it out when he needed it, and you know, it's. Uh, I think he's managed to do a pretty extraordinary thing with that group of them. So you were talking about Fiona. I'll let Fiona talk in a second. But you were talking about Fiona at uh, at the start and whether she was wearing a La Rochelle. Um, look, I wanted an Irish team to win. I wanted I wanted Leinster to win. 
Um, not 100% because uh, Raj is a friend of mine and I want good things for him too, but I would have been sort of 80-20, I'd say. Mm. And um, and then when you're watching it and then the referee maybe isn't giving everything uh, to or anything to La Rochelle, you're saying, well, that's pushing it a bit more. You tend to go more for the <laughs> underdog to it. It was an extraordinary game. For me, it's as a, as a rugby fan and someone who watches a game all the time, um, it was it was astounding yeah. to have a final like that. We've had drab finals. This was anything but drab. Yeah. No, I to- totally agree. Like it was such an epic. It's one to be savoured. As like we'd spent the week picking apart this and that, but like the headline should be: "This was just so good." Fiona, just on the drop goal point that Keith makes, it's funny. So I I, I haven't watched the game back. I just experienced it in real time, and I was at a bit of a loss as to why a drop goal wasn't kicked or certainly why it didn't seem like Byrne was in position to kick one and he has been criticised on various platforms for not taking the drop goal uh, somebody sent it to me um, on Twitter this morning and I watched it on YouTube Squidge Rugby mm. is uh, worth looking at on YouTube I'm sure uh, lots of people listening to this podcast look at Squidge Rugby all the time and so uh, he detailed what happened in those final few minutes and it does to be fair put a very different slant on, on Ross Byrne in that period so it's 76 77 minutes they're on the try line they're uh, huffing and puffing and then uh, the ball is cleared and people will remember it fell to James Lowe and he brings it back into contact and so from that point on it is less that Ross Byrne isn't thinking about the drop it's actually more that Jameson Gibson Park and the team are not thinking about the drop so uh, the piece of analysis it zooms in on Ross Byrne he is very visibly gesturing uh, for pods to carry the ball infield. He's calling, and Keith, you said it, you know, another phase he might have kicked it. He's calling for another pod to come infield towards the posts, and it doesn't happen. Uh, Gibson Park goes really wide at one stage, and then I remember watching the game, not sure where Byrne was on a couple of occasions. At one point, the ball goes loose early, and Byrne just has to carry Twice. into contact. He just has to, he has to go in. And then from the uh, resulting rook, Gibson Park goes wide again, like back right out to the touchline again. So Burns up and he's like, hey, can we get back into the, towards the posts again? And at one point, as they're starting to move back towards the posts, Skelton nearly steals the ball. And so Byrne has to jump in and ensure possession. So he's in, in, you know, in the middle of a rook. And it's the next phase where the red card happens, the Alatoa mm. hit happens. And very interestingly, at that stage where they're waiting for the referee to make a decision while, while treatment is happening, it is Byrne who puts his both hands in the air, calls everybody in, calls everybody in, and he starts talking and telling them what's about to happen. So I think, to be fair, I was yeah. I would say, based on that analysis, I was very much in the wrong to say, where was Byrne? He, you know, I, we didn't see him, wasn't in the pocket, was he not thinking of drop goal? Uh, it was evident in that analysis, Fiona, I, I flicked it on to you, you yeah. guys as well before. To be fair to him, he was, and actually, what's maybe the, the surprising point is, him and the team were on a different... Uh, wavelength. Yeah, and that's that's the point. And even when you were talking through the, the phases there, Joe, I think a, a big key element of that, we talked about that Gibson Park going blind, that was huge. But I actually think a huge moment, if you were if it's in their head, drop goal territory, was when Lowe caught that ball on the sideline. If he had shift that point of contact inwards even a little bit more, you would think that there were more centre field and probably heading towards that middle of the pitch territory. But he obviously ran back into a contact, which was crazy. I think he should have passed that. But even that to me and the Gibson Park going wide, it kind of looked like 
um, although you talk about Ross Byrne, it being in his mindset, it probably wasn't in the rest of the other guys' mindset. No. You know, they are so used to, to scoring tries and you'd back their pack so much, especially, as I said, seven, eight metres out. You, you know, me and Keith said he'd nearly throw your mortgage on it because they're so clinical and they very rarely give away, you know, off their feet penalties at the rock in and around their air, in around that area. They're very tidy there. So I think it was kind of, it could have been something that probably mightn't have been discussed and, I was on a podcast earlier with Bernard Jackman and he said, like, you know, in that clip, it says, I think it was a 2006, Joe, or was the last time that they actually had to take a drop goal to, to win a, a, a final. So they've never, if you look back, Leinster have very, you know, they've yeah. never been in a tight margin. So they, they probably haven't done that. And, you know, obviously you have the call there, but if it's something that you haven't used in a high pressure situation, you're very, very reluctant to go to it. And I I suppose Munster the week before might have been looking at that Leinster game and and done a little bit of work around that area because they would have thought we can be in this game right up until the very end but I'm not sure and I could be wrong that Leinster would have put a lot of emphasis on where people want to go in certain phases when there's only some amount of minutes left on the clock and as I said I could be wrong but yeah. that's what it looked like because it did they didn't look like they were all on the same page It's interesting I but suspect uh, someone from Leinster will be asked about that in the coming days or weeks before clock really comes against us and before Munster fans say for God's sake Monday Tuesday Wednesday can you stop talking about those losers let's talk about big cheese and Irish rugby here Uh, so Munster arrived in Cape Town yesterday Uh, Malachi Fekitawa Conor Murray Calvin Nash Orgy Snyman all passed fit um Obviously, you mentioned Munster came through against Leinster in very dramatic fashion. The Stormers beat Connacht, as we know, 43-25 in their semi-final without having much uh, possession or territory. But they were pretty devastating with the ball that they did have. Munster did beat the Stormers 26-24 a couple of weeks ago with a late Stormers try. So it wasn't quite as um, tense as that scoreline would suggest and it was um, I don't know if you remember at this stage Keith sorry a lot of rugby over the last couple of weeks but fiery exchange as well um, Joseph Dueba and Peter O'Mahony uh, got into a bit of an exchange and then beautifully it is Joseph Dueba who was captured on video saying we're going to F them up when uh, the result came through from Dublin a few weeks ago so listen I can't sell this anymore for you yeah I look it's uh, we wouldn't have believed that Munster were going to be in this position. And um, I'm never a huge fan of semi-finals and final at the end of a league. I, I, my view always was the, the team that's at the top of it wins it, but them's the rules and uh, Munster can enjoy it and I can enjoy it for, for, for this weekend. Um, I think Munster are back to full strength, pretty much sore stormers. It'll be interesting to see what team is put out there. I thought uh, Craig Casey was very, very good um, uh, last week, the week before last. Um, now Conor Murray is back in the fold. It's um, what it's, would you do? You, hmm? What would you do? Because uh, post well, uh, Conor, Conor was there exit, the last time. Yeah, yeah. Conor was there the last time in 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 the Stormers and did very well. So. Um, it, I'm not going to say it. it, I don't mind which one. I am going to say that because I I think they have, um, they've different skill sets and different things that are required, um, and they are very complementary actually to each other. And depending on who you're playing against, so 
Um, so I don't know what way it's going to go. And you never know when they're down there as to how exactly fully fit or not they are. So um, I'm not sure. But um, when I look at it from where, and we talked about the bitter card or the um, um, you know the under underdog cards that Raj would have had and uses uh, with the plum. Um, I think Munster can look at it this year in, in the exact same fashion. So having struggled really heavily for the first few weeks, having done very well, and having then struggled again laterally to then eke out the victories that they needed to get to be in the position to just get there for 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 the URC to to get into a position um, to then beat Leinster to get to here. Um, it's it's how much emotion was 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 taken up yeah. by winning um, last week, and it's look. I think they have a great opportunity because they know in their head this is a team we've beaten here before, mm. and that's a big thing. Um, and and it's a final. Such um, was the emotion at full time at the Viva Stadium, Fiona, in the semi final. I think if it had been a week turnaround, you would have given Munster next to no yeah. chance. Whereas now they've had two weeks to watch the We're Gonna F You Up video on loop to, you know, <laughs> have a few days rest, to really think about it, to, to fly down comfortably on the Tuesday. That really brings them right back into it. But it's still a massive ask. And the word is that of the 55,000 in the stadium, there's some talk of 5,000 Munster fans yeah. expected, which is pretty good going under any circumstances. But it's still going to be very much a home game, very difficult on uh, several fronts. Are you expecting similar contests to what we saw a few weeks back in terms of how the game will go? Like, how did the Stormers go about their business in, on the big days? Yeah, you see, the thing about the Stormers is we know like they've they're really good up front. You know, their scrum is is brilliant. They're they're. Um, the thing about them is the line out is definitely somewhere where you know our, uh, Munster can attack, especially Peter Romani, Dweeba, Tron. Um, if they've Snyman in there, he'll put massive pressure under that throw if they if they're bringing them back into the squad. So, the, although like you know their scrum is solid, I think that the line out is definitely something Munster will have a target at. And the thing about the Stormers is, you know, they were clinical at times against Connacht. We talked about possession, but they they have the ability to go wide. They like to go off the cuff you know and they, they'll move that ball and they ship it really wide but if Munster can bring that defence that they brought against Leinster so we saw that kind of rush and the decision making at times and and the week before as well was, was excellent Fekitao has been having some serious games and decision making he's reading is has been really good and has improved massively so I'd expect to see him back in the in the starting lineup. but if they can get them to play that off the cuff rugby you know and I think they catch him out, out wide at the breakdown and we saw Munster do that at times against the Stormers the last time they'll target the right breakdowns but I feel like if they play around with the ball and they're not in their system and their they're, they're big guys aren't on the ball that they can be vulnerable out wide definitely at rock time I think and I feel like Munster will attack that area but they've got such great players and you know Herschel Yankees and Evan Roos didn't play that mm. that last game against Munster and they're two huge players I, I'm I'm a big fan of Yankees I think he's he's brilliant um, and he brings he's kind of a mixture of Murray and uh, Casey he's got that ability to move the ball really sharply but he's he's a clever little rugby player as well and his kicking game isn't too bad so and we know what Evan Roos can bring. We saw him last year. Probably not his best season because he had a couple of injuries that knocked him out at, at times. But he's been playing well. He played well against Connacht again, I thought. So they have some players to add in the mix. But Munster, 
have no fear going down there. They've gone over, they've won, um, they've beat the Stormers over there, they've beaten the Stormers in Toman Park. Um, there isn't, it's a final, yeah, there's the pressure of a final, yeah. but I, I feel like it's a different type of pressure. There isn't a lot on Munster. They can go out and enjoy their rugby and play the way and play the style they have been playing. Yeah, it's funny because Jean Klein uh, was uh, talking and he was rejecting any suggestion that Munster are in uh, bonus territory or you know we we don't just exist to beat Leinster was the kind of interesting quote um, but there must be a pressure when they look around and they see Keith Earls and they see O'Mahony and they're conscious of 2011 and they're not in finals all that often it'll be interesting to see how they handle it by the way that win in Cape Town that is the uh, only time the Stormers have been beaten in Cape Town since December 2021 we probably underestimated just how rare that win was and um, not to turn you into some kind of sociologist uh, Keith but I just the other night happened to be I don't read about South Africa all that often there's so much going on in the world but um, on the BBC a a headline caught my eye where um, an ANC spokesman was talking about how South Africa could become a failed state and that at the moment the hardship there is really incredible they're having uh, power cuts known as load shedding of up to 10 hours a day and the economic situation is just absolutely dire. They have an unemployment rate of 33%. Uh, one in two young South Africans are unemployed, uh, 60% below the poverty line. Sport assumes a, a, an extra resonance and importance, I think, at times like that. Some of the tickets have been sold for three, four euro in a bid to fill the stadium. So in so much as how it affects what happens between the white lines, that's very debatable but it's worth just noting that is the atmosphere Munster are heading into at the moment yeah I mean the three four euros costs is uh, a little bit of a a red herring in that just the exchange rate is 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 gone you know so they would always have different um, pricing ranges to to fill those stadia and always had so some of the more expensive tickets they wouldn't be expensive by European standards but when you put the exchange rate to it they would I love the fact they fill the ground out. And if there's 5,000 Munster fans there, that's pretty phenomenal too. Um, uh, I think like sport, often there's a backdrop to sport at different times and that can be a big emotional element. Um, But I imagine that both teams will not be taking the view in terms of that. So from, um, from the Stormer side, I think they'd be really upset that Munster had beaten them there three weeks ago they mm-hmm. ruined that uh, record that they've had for, for nearly 20 months um, that's a big deal or, or, or whatever it is two and a half years that's a big deal for them Munster would be saying well we know we can beat them uh, we're not going to get caught into any anything else that's happening down there I think there may be disruptions during the week because of those um, blackouts for, for the electricity they're going to have to deal with that it is the end of a long season. It's the um, third trip down there in not very long. You know, there's been uh, it's been a pretty extraordinary period of time. Everything, you know, when you're playing away from home, it's stacked against you. Yeah. And what we saw um, just on the days gone by that every like, if you read any of the English papers over the last few weeks, there was a criticism of Leinster's um, route to the final. Uh, irrespective of the fact that this is a, a destination that was named years in, in, in advance, uh, irrespective of the fact that Leinster had deserved to be there for all the different slots because of their performance during the year, um, 
but it was almost like a preordained view that Leinster were going to romp home and win at home. Leinster have never won at home. They've won their four European Cups away from home, which is which is interesting. Um, but winning at home is a damn sight easier. And uh, Leinster losing at the weekend to La Rochelle opens up another chink um, that it may not be a foregone conclusion. So Monster are going to try and take that to the bank. Stormers are going to try and say no. This is our um, citadel. There's nobody going to get in there now. Fiona, if we um, just like as as we approach the the very end of the season, chart the difference in Munster from those early weeks to where they were in Dublin a week ago. It really is night and day. I mean, my memory of those that opening month or two, really right up to the South African win, is of dropped balls as they tried to implement this new style, a confusion over running lines. Uh, criticism of their fitness. Uh, Leamy seems like the defence seems to be getting better week on week on week. I mean, even like the performance against um, the Sharks in Europe was very disappointing way yeah. to exit Europe. And and we did talk about like and that it hasn't gone away their weakness in the scrum or the front row, the lack of depth there. And and that is still something to 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 flag ahead of the final. But like in broad terms, even if they hadn't beaten Leinster, I found myself during the game thinking like this season is a success. Yeah, and that's it. Like at the start of the season, you know, we the the coaching staff asked for patience. Prendergast coming in, Leamy. They're going to be implementing different systems, especially the first few games. I mean, no one wants to to watch knock-ons. It's not the prettiest of rugby, especially when you're inside in the twenty-two attacking. Um, you expect the players to be more clinical, and and sometimes you blame the skill set of the players when in fact they're just learning how to implement those systems that are have been freshly put on them, and the more they go about that throughout the season. Um, I suppose it's confidence, Joe, is is huge in them, you know, and the more they go about that, the more confident they are in where they're meant to be and the shape they're meant to have. And I suppose you can't you can't take away, you know, I suppose form as well, individual form. I thought um, Calvin Nash is someone who's really stepped up to the plate and and put his hand up. John Hodnett has had some monster performances, and and then you're kind of looking outside that and you're looking at the Carberry. Uh, Crowley situation I just thought Crowley has really settled the ship and unfortunately with Healy going away but they've just in the last in that knockout rugby games their partnership and how they're interlinking and we know Healy started um, the last game but to be able to bring Healy off the bench and him playing to the capacity that he has been playing in those games is a confidence thing and the, the coaching staff really have to be complimented on that because these players have just, you know, when we thought they weren't even going to qualify for Champions mm. Cup rugby and now to, to be in a final and qualify for Champions Cup rugby, but also to be able to bring, they had the best defence and we talked about their defence at times, but it's their attack. Um, their launch plays off set pieces really good as well. And that's what's exciting to watch. And the players offloading, you know, they're backing themselves in those offloads. So I think it's, it's a confidence that has been built throughout the season. At the start, you might think it will never happen, but it just goes to show you that if you can back a, a, a player, a system, a coaching staff and give them that time, that it will eventually grow. You might come in on that improvement as well across the season. Maybe start by which players you've watched grow and improve in particular. Yeah, I think, well, I think um, Crowley has moved uh, up a notch. Um, ben Healy has moved up a notch. Craig Casey has moved up a notch. Um 
Uh, I think Coombs stagnated a bit at the start and got a bit of a shock by not getting uh, selected. Uh, a lot of people would have thought he should have been. Um, that November at the RDS. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But to be to be honest, I think if you're looking at the 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 Leinster back rows in particular, they're at a different level in terms of the the different work that they do around. He is, however, one of the world's great pick and go guys or or score from five yards. I mean, I don't know how many tries he's got, so he's played very well. Been very really good to see Snayman back into the into the team. Um, uh, Calvin Nash has done pretty well. Um, I think Fekatoa has got better. Mm-hmm. It took him an awful long time to 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 get clued into it. Really, um, I think Antoine Frisch has has been a fairly consistent and calming influence um, for a lot of it. So, um, I think Leamy's done a very good job. I think they look an awful lot better. So, um, when I go and, and look at the expectations that you have for the weekend, I would do what we have for the last three or four years and say, when you get to semi final and get to final. You're looking for a performance. You're looking for players to leave it on the field. Um, I thought that is what happened against uh, against Leinster a couple of weeks ago, um, and we hadn't seen that variance in in the style that they played in in the previous three or four years when it got to those big knockout matches. Yeah, they have to do the same in this for them to have a chance. If they go back into their shell, um, for me, that's that is the big risk. Um, the difference in the team for me that stacks out over anything else is their fitness. Um, they look they look markedly fitter um, to play a different style of game, mm. and um, and I think that was behind some of the early losses. I think they there was a realization that for them to be able to play at the pace that they wanted to play and to try and mix it up a bit more, they needed to be far um, uh, far fitter and had to had to far faster rucks. Um, and I think that work that happened in the preseason had a bit of a lag afterwards and it continued for a few weeks. I think they probably thought they'd still get those wins. They were easy enough games that they would have expected to win and didn't. I think it put them under a huge amount of pressure. It stands them in great stead that they came through that pressure. Yeah, yeah, and just on that as well, Joe, just uh, I know Quinny's always raving about him as well, but Klein this season has been immense. His work rate, you know, we always knew he had something, but I this season I've just watched him grow and grow and as, um, you know, that second row that's involved in every rock and his clean outs, maybe not the best carrying, his line out work, his scrummaging work, he's just been immense and mm. definitely someone who's probably played the most minutes throughout the tournament as well. So he's someone who's really stood up to the plate yeah yeah and, and more comfortable with his hands as well I mean you yeah. can see he's probably enjoying it more the only marks against him in my book is that he was asked about the video of we're going to F you up and he said it's irrelevant it's all a load of puff that's no. not the response I want I want him no. to say now it's personal and really stoke things but uh, other than that pretty awesome so uh, final thoughts this is um, going to be I mean it's going to be an extraordinary atmosphere and for Munster to win a trophy and for the likes of Earls and Omani you could only imagine the scenes at full time and then what it means for the project at large when you're trying to sign new players and when you're trying to sell what's going on with that you know investment in mind to to have a trophy in the cabinet would just be um, really significant I know what the hearts say what does your head say for uh, Saturday? I'll give Fiona last word. Keith, you first. Um, again, I'm looking for performance and I think they'll give the performance. 
I think it'll be a bit nerve-wracking, but I think they'll win by five or six. Oof. And that's your head now, not your heart. Uh, that's my head, actually. <laughs> okay, <good>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the win as well, um, Joe. But I think where they'll have to have learned from that Leinster game is inside the 22. They're gonna have to be far more clinical than they were in that game. So when they're inside there, they're gonna have to come away with a lot more scores. Um, Hopefully, Leibach won't have his kicking boots, and and their discipline can be can be as good as it has been. I think it was five penalties is all they gave away against Leinster. So I'm going to say Munster as well. I think they'll nick it in the end, three four points maybe. Okay, wow. Well, party back in Limerick then. That'll be something. Well, listen, I send you a picture of me in my Stormers jersey in a sad face if that happens. <laughs> uh, I am joking. I'm very much hoping Munster. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say, Keith? I said it would suit you. <laughs> uh, I am, of course, hoping that Munster go and do it. Um, guys, thank you so much. Enjoy the game. Appreciate it. Keith Wood, Fiona Hayes. Thanks, Mel. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Rugby on Off the Ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.